TCU is in the top four of the newest college football playoff rankings. The Horn Frogs have a margin of error now. Is the committee giving them an opportunity to make a mistake and still make it in? We'll talk about that next on Locked On Horn Frogs. You are Locked On Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. That's right, it is Locked On Horn Frogs, and we have updated college football playoff rankings. We'll start the show with that today. Um, I expected going into this, some some things broke TCU's way over the weekend, right? Clemson loses to Notre Dame. And Notre Dame won that game pretty handily. Uh, LSU at home takes down Alabama. Really exciting game. Brian Kelly goes for two in overtime to get that victory. And so I expected TCU to move up. I thought they would be fifth. The other big domino that fell was Tennessee lost to Georgia. And I expected Tennessee to drop, but I didn't think they'd drop out of the top four just because of the respect the committee seems and the love and admiration he seems to have for the SEC, I figured that TCU would be a five. And I was fine with that. I mean, I said this last week. I still think it's too early to get worked up about this. There's more games to be played. Um, There is more results to be had, and and things are going to sort of play out and wash out and probably differently than we expect anyway. And so there's there's a lot of football left to be played. However – The committee pleasantly surprised me on Tuesday. Here are your rankings. And as you see here, Georgia at one, Ohio State two, Michigan three, and there at number four, that beautiful purple helmet, TCU Horned Frogs are sitting fourth, Tennessee there at five, Oregon six, LSU seven, USC eight, Alabama nine, and Clemson round out your top ten. As far as Big 12 representation goes, this game against Texas on Saturday will be number four versus number 18. Horns check in there at 18th. Kansas State at 19th, um, and that's it. Oklahoma State, with some injuries and some of their issues, some losses lately have fallen out of the CFP top 25, but TCU sitting there at four. And so my major question now is, does this allow TCU to have something that I didn't think was really possible last week, which if they drop a game, and though some of you are like, that's not going to happen, let's not talk about it. But if they drop a game on the road to Texas or on the road to Baylor in the regular season, but they still end up 12-1, and win a conference title, could the Frogs sneak in the playoff? I'm still skeptical, right? Like the other part of this, and I'll put the rankings up again quickly, you see that Clemson dropped from 4th to 10th following one loss on the road to Notre Dame. Now Clemson will have – you know, an opportunity to try to move back up as they win games and they'll have a conference title game, an ACC championship game. But my frustration with the playoff and the committee is that to this point, there has just kind of been this expectation that TCU would have to go perfect throughout the regular season win a conference title game to be in the mix. Maybe that's not the case. Maybe there's some movement here. You know, Tennessee, it's going to be hard for them now to make it to the SEC title game because Georgia has control of the SEC East. Um, 
So they could end up 11 and one, but not with that extra data point. And, and it's a year to year thing. This is one of the funny things about the committee. They're just constantly contradicting themselves. It's a year to year scenario on how much those data points matter. The committee says the conference title games matter. And back in 2014, which I hate to bring up because I know there's some bad memories. Um, Baylor and TCU were co-champs in the Big 12. There was no conference title game. Ohio State had a conference title game that they won in commanding fashion against Wisconsin. And so the committee left those two Big 12 teams out because they basically said, hey, we didn't have this extra data point, right? But then there have been other years where not having the conference title game really in the SEC has benefited certain schools. And so it's hard to predict. But, I mean, I think it's a week-to-week proposition. I still think this team probably has to end up 13-0 to get in. But the losses that happened um, helped them and helped their case. Now, I tweeted this right after the rankings came out. I said, it doesn't matter, just keep winning. And that's not me trying to rain on anybody's parade. If you're excited about this, go for it. I'm not in the business of telling people how to feel. I understand this is a huge deal. We're in year one of Sonny Dyke's tenure, and they're 9-0, and they have a chance. I don't know what's going to happen over the next few weeks, but they have a chance to make the playoff. They have a really good chance to make a conference title game, and I, I did not expect that coming into the season. But it doesn't really matter where you are now. You just got to keep winning games and hopefully find a way to get in there at the end of the season. Someone asked me this on YouTube last week when I did a kind of reaction show to the first college football playoff rankings. I'm sorry I did not get the person who asked this question. If you're listening now and it was you, let me know on the YouTube comments or you can hit me up on Twitter. I'm at Simcox Steven. Um, they said, do we really want this TCU team to make the playoff? Because there's a chance that they could get beat, maybe beat soundly, and wouldn't it be better if they played in the conference title game, possibly won that game, and then played in a New Year's Six Bowl? And I know a lot of you are just automatically like pounding the table saying, no way. Let's get in the playoff. And I will say it's something I've thought about at times. But I'm really coming around. I've fully come around to the idea that making the playoff, not that it's the end of the world. I think the first goal for this team, should be making the conference title game and hopefully winning that. Winning the Big 12 title will be a massive step forward for this program. They haven't won an outright Big 12 title since they joined the league. However, making the college ball playoff, it's such an exclusive club. It's not like everybody has done this. You know, you have your SEC teams, Alabama, LSU, Georgia, and the Big Ten, Ohio State's been a few times. Michigan broke through Michigan State, the Pac-12, Oregon, Washington. And the Big 12, it's only been Oklahoma. So getting to the college football playoff, it's a huge deal. And honestly, the second part of this to me is if they got to the college football playoff, in my mind, that would mean that they are either 13-0 or 12-1. and And probably in both cases, they won the Big 12 title. And so I wouldn't bet against them. Against anybody. I understand how good George is. They have two incredible tight ends. That defense is amazing. Stetson Bennett just kind of doesn't wreck the Ferrari. But they they get it done, man. 
I know Ohio State has an explosive offense. They struggled against Northwestern last week, but overall they've just been a wrecking machine. But I'm just I'm done doubting this football team. I've I've been kind of amazed. I'm not sure what's gonna happen Saturday. I wouldn't be shocked if Texas found a way to win. They're talented. And they seem to be kind of hitting their stride. But I am really shocked at how many just folks around the country, and I know the analytics really love Texas in this matchup, and it's just like, oh, yeah, this is kind of the end of it. I mean, it's going to be a tough game, but, like, TCU has conquered every test so far this year. And so I like their chances, and we'll see what happens. But, uh, yeah, encouraging news that the Frogs are sitting there at number four in the nation following this latest college football playoff reveal. And, of course, we'll monitor that on a week-to-week basis. When we come back, an update on Quentin Johnston and his status for this Texas game. Before we do that, though, I want to give a word from one of our great sponsors, Simply Safe. If you've ever thought about securing your home with home security, but you've been putting it off, you think, man, that's too expensive. Um, listen to this ad right here because you you'll have an opportunity to get 50% off a home security system. It's the biggest offer of the year. You don't want to miss it. Um, did you know that over the holidays, which are coming up, we got Thanksgiving and Christmas approaching, property crimes like burglaries, package thefts, they spike nationally. That's why our friends at Simply Safe Home Security are asking 50% off their award-winning security system so that more families can feel safe and secure this holiday season. I know making sure you and your family are safe is your number one priority. So Simply Safe was named the best home security system of 2022. Why not use the best? Have peace of mind. Feel better about protecting your own. Um, use this URL to try to take advantage of this deal. Go to simplysafe.com slash locked on college. Again, that's simplysafe.com slash locked on college to get 50% off that Simply Safe home security, state of the art, top of the line in the business. Again, that is Simply Safe. So uh, TCU Texas this week, and one of the big questions coming out of that Tech game is Quentin Johnson hit the field. He had been dealing with an ankle injury, and he played that first possession, and then after that first series, he was out for the rest of the game. Now he did, I I should say, he came back and he uh, was on the hands team um, towards the end of the football game. So he was out there on the onside kick attempt from Tech to try to recover it. Um, he was warming up on the sidelines coming out of halftime, and he stayed engaged in the whole game. And Coach Dyke said afterwards, hey, like, it was honestly just more precautionary thing. We're trying to make sure he's good. He said it didn't feel right. We took his word for it, kept him out, and hopefully we'll have him back for the Texas game. Well, he had his press conference on Tuesday, and we got an update. Quentin did not practice on Tuesday but they're expecting him to return to practice on Wednesday and are hopeful he will play. I imagine he's going to give it a go. I mean, we'll, we'll see what they do with him, how much he practices the next few days. I would imagine it's not a lot. Sonny went on to say one thing they're balancing right now is making sure that these guys are getting enough reps, that they're still in practice, getting those physical reps, getting those mental reps, understanding the game plan. But he also realizes at the end of the year – in this grueling stretch right now where they're playing game after game with really no break, an equally important thing is making sure everybody is as fresh mentally and physically as they possibly can be. So, I mean, Quentin is a vet. I mean, he's been starting here since he was a freshman. He's coming towards the end of his junior season. 
I don't think there's a huge need for him to be out there, you know, getting first-team reps all the time in practice. As long as he kind of understands the game plan, if there are any wrinkles this week to what they're trying to do against UT, I'm not super worried about him, you know, getting out there. But can he cut on that ankle? Can he make some moves? Can he make some plays? Can he do what he's really best at? And we've kind of found out this year that he excels at the most, which is catching those short passes and then getting up the field and shaking a defender, spinning out of a tackle, stiff arming a guy to get five or ten extra yards. As good as he is at those one-on-one 50-50 balls, um, his ability to get yards after the catch and make people miss in space and just fight for extra real estate with that size and that speed has been a huge asset for this offense this year. I feel like the the biggest thing is when he's on the field, and I said this uh, on Tuesday, just the gravity kind of pulls towards him. And I just mean he demands attention. So if he's out there, Texas is going to have to game plan for him. And I doubt that means they're just going to man up with their corners. I think they're you know going to shade his way. And that, op- that opens up opportunities for other players on the offense, like Savion Williams on the outside or Darius Davis and Tay Barber in the slot. And so you need him out there if at all possible. Sonny also said, and I thought this was an intriguing comment, that part of their offensive struggle Saturday was that they were going to really target and make a focus to get Quentin the ball. And I don't know exactly what all that meant, but they were kind of tailoring and um, their game plan towards force-feeding the football. And so when he went down, it took a while for them to adjust. And, um, you know, that's kind of – that kind of made me think. Like, I know the Kansas game and the Oklahoma State game were his best games of the year, and he, he got a ton of opportunities in those contests. I always thought that was just more about the way the defenses respectively were playing him um, and not so much about what they were trying to do on offense. But it seems like – based on what Sonny said in that presser today, or on Tuesday, excuse me, that, that was also part of it was they were just making a concerted effort to get him the football. And I guess that was going to be a big part of what they wanted to do against Texas Tech on Saturday. And they need Quentin Johnson in the lineup um, against Texas. And I feel like he's going to give it a go. They're hopefully going to play. They're just being really cautious with him. And, um, yeah, I do wonder how they're approaching practice at this point because you know the guys understand – what they're trying to do, at least kind of the base, you know, formulaic concepts that they're running every week. They have to know those things forwards and backwards at this point. So it's probably really about recovery, making sure guys are good, making sure they're staying sharp mentally and getting enough time on the field that they're still in a good rhythm, but also trying to find that balance of, okay, we got to make sure these, these players are healthy. And you're seeing – you know, Kendra Miller was a little nicked up, banged up. Quentin's dealing with his ankle injury. Max has taken a ton of hits this year. I mean, it's it's adding up. It's getting to that time of the season where nobody's really 100%. Everybody's fighting through something. And so we'll see how that affects the team in the coming weeks and especially in this game against Texas. We'll close with some thoughts on TCU trying to slow down Bajon Robinson. Before we do that, though, one of our – most loyal sponsors, Built Bar. Um, I love Built Bar, man. It's it's my go-to breakfast option as someone who is busy trying to get kids ready and get them out the door. It's just easy to grab. And 
you know, Built Bar is real food. Like it's made with all real chocolate with great ingredients. They have some new flavors out right now. Cookie dough topper, coconut brownie bar, coconut brownie topper. They have white chocolate premium granola. It's their take on the granola bar, but it's much more filling and instantly tasty. If you haven't tried Built Bar before, I mean, they're the best protein. They're the best tasting protein bars on the market. Only 180 calories, some as low as 130 calories. So you don't have to feel guilty about eating them. It's good fuel for your body. BuiltBar.com. Um, you can get 15% off your first order or your order now by using the promo code LOCKEDON15 at Built.com. Again, that's Built.com. Use the promo code LOCKEDON15 to get 15% off your order. Okay, so we'll close here with uh, some thoughts on the TCU offense, or the Texas offense, excuse me. <clears throat> Sorry, I'm going to do a crossover episode on Thursday with Jonathan Davis, who was locked on Longhorns. And I'm curious to hear what he thinks about Quinn Ewers in his season. Started off like gangbusters, had a really good game going against Alabama before he went down with an injury. And then since he came back from injury, it's been sort of up and down, but they've been winning these games. I do want to talk about the guy that I think is really the, the straw that stirs the drink, though, and that's Bajon Robinson. Um, he has 1,129 yards on the season, averaging almost six yards a carry, 12 touchdowns on 109 attempts. He's coming off his best game of the year, 30 attempts for 209 yards and a TD against Kansas State. He has gone um, over 100 yards now. And let's see here, eight straight games. Went for 140 against Oklahoma State, 130 against OU, 183 against UTSA. Aside from, you know, a, a pretty quiet performance against Alabama where he ran the ball for 57 yards, he's been fantastic. And, man, this guy, like, he is special. And you'll see him make break off those long runs, those explosive runs, where he gets to the second or third level and just makes guys miss and he really looks unfair when he turns on that acceleration. He's big. He's physical. But the thing that to me that is special about Robinson is that he's one of those backs that turns a two-yard loss into a four- or five-yard gain. He turns a three- or four-yard gain into seven or eight because he's so good at finding the opening, finding the crease, like where it looks like there's nothing there. It just kind of looks like a huge pile in the middle – He'll slip out or make a cut back. And then when you make contact with him, he is really, really great at falling forward, shaking off a guy, spinning out of the tackle, you know, churning those legs, getting some help from his offensive line to get those extra yards. And he's consistently putting Texas in second and manageable, third and manageable, is more high percentage conversion situations where a young quarterback like yours can thrive. Um, they have a great receiver in Xavier Worthy as well. But to me, the game is going to come down to, like he's probably going to be able to churn out 100 yards or close to it. But can you limit the explosive runs? Can you make him work and scratch and claw for every yard he's going to get? That's going to be a huge key. D. Winters is going to miss the first half of this game because of a targeting call in that Texas Tech game. And so Shad Banks is going to be out there. And Shad played really well in the second half against Tech. I do think one possible advantage is Shad's a big physical player. 
and hopefully he can kind of go toe-to-toe and get in there and make some plays. But can you slow Robinson down? To me, that's the number one key for the TCU defense, even more so than limiting Quinn Ewers, even though you're going to have to do both of those things to come away with a victory in Austin on Saturday night. I'll be back tomorrow. This is Locked on Horn Frogs. We're part of the Locked on Podcast Network.